0: Abba Yahweh, again, you've breathed into me to bring me up in this day, your day, you've walked before. I call on you to walk with me, my brothers and sisters, Father God, that keep us upright and moving forward in sharing your word, and in prayer through the day, constantly. Father God, as we're told to do in your word, Paul writes his letters that we are to pray without ceasing, possible and doable totally possible and doable, of Yahweh to seek your face. And for those that have an ear to let them hear these words, your truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom that I draw from your treasury, Father, and that they would make the decision to be saved. Thank you, Father God, for allowing me to plant the seeds and to share your treasure. Abhi Yahweh Ahmad. Yeshua man, Parakitos Aman. So, I'm going to share something with you and then I'm going to diverge and go the other direction. But this, I think, is important because you've heard me share this before. And also, I'm going to share this with you because through my readings and my morning studies, I'm finding that God is becoming repetitive in a theme. And as I have learned and been taught and told that when God gets repetitive in the Bible, there's a reason for it. You might gripe and complain about those that are bringing the word out, but there's a reason for repetition. I can remember back in, in elementary school that teachers, when they would read passages or teaching math or through going through science thing, then they would read a paragraph over again. And some, when we were first learning, we would say, teacher, teacher, you just read that. And the teacher would respond Yes, I know that. There's a reason. Pay attention. And then go on and continue, and then they do the same thing. And later on, when we got older and they would explain things, it was told to us that when it was repeated, it was something important that we should either write it down and remember it, or we may see it in a test later. (coughs) Pardon me. So... God repeats things because he's important enough to do so and he wants us to remember it. And there may be a test later. Oh, wait a second. I got to take a test to be a Christian? Well, yes, nearly every single day. Why do you think that throughout the Bible, and we're going to go all the way back into the book of Deuteronomy, and I believe it's, uh, let me find it, I believe it's Deuteronomy 30, 37. And this is the first mention, biblically. Uh, oh, goodness gracious, I can't find it. I apologize for that, but I will find it right quickly. I do apologize, but when God tells us, and there's several places in the Bible where God tells us that we are not to be afraid, and the first time that he mentions that actually is in Deuteronomy 31, 31st chapter, uh, here we go. Deuteronomy one six. So, he's talking to the nation of Israel, the leaders of the nation of Israel and Joshua. <coughs> and he's making sure that he understands that he will be with them and that they're not to be afraid. Um, and the nation of Israel, he's speaking to Joshua and to Moses. And Moses is talking to Joshua and they're talking about getting ready to cross the river. And Moses is telling Joshua that he can no longer go out and come in as he used to go and do because the Lord was keeping up his strength and now at 120 years old, he's finding it difficult to do that now. And... What Moses tells him in 31.6, be strong and of a good courage, fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is, that doth go with thee, and he shall not fail thee, nor forsake thee. And Moses called out to him and did so when they were getting ready to cross and he did it so everyone can hear and he hollered at Joshua. Be strong and of good courage for thou must go with this people unto the land which the Lord has sworn unto their fathers to give them and thou shalt cause them to inherit it. And the Lord he is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee. Neither forsake thee, fear not, neither be dismayed. <coughs> so that's Moses is speaking out so that as the Israelites pass them and they're getting ready to cross the Jordan and go into the land of Canaan, which was promised them. And by the way, let me remind you of this, that when the spies came back and they gave the ill report as opposed to Joshua and Caleb who are following the word of God and his will, and they were ready to go. And they were saying, I will, I do, let's go. Except they hadn't, well, I take that back, Joshua did. um, Encountering Jesus Christ, the only begotten son of God. But remember this too, is that there are uh, several places in the Old Testament where he manifested himself, and, and one of those being too, Joshua. When Joshua was getting ready to lead Israel down into the Valley of Jericho, he actually encountered Jesus Christ. Didn't know it then, but as he was introduced, he realized what he was, <laughs> who he was talking to. And then of course you have Nebuchadnezzar he saw in the furnace. But brothers and sisters, it's important. It's important. And why is that important? Because God said so. If it's repeated in locations through the Bible, it's important to remember. And then we go to the book of Deuteronomy. What's the very next book that follows Deuteronomy? Why, my goodness, it's Joshua. In Joshua 1.9. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, and neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. And he reminds Joshua then, reminding us, God is reminding us that it is important that remember that he is with us all the time. We have to remember that, brothers and sisters. It's important. There may be a test later. And you say, a test? What? Yeah. All through the course of our walk with the Lord, we are tested. We are tested by the enemy. We are contested by the minions that come because he will send them. He will indeed send them. And they will come and they will test. And all through our walk with the Lord thy God, we are going to be tested. And we are going to be tested in our faith. And those tests will strengthen our faith. And we have to remember that, brothers and sisters. We will be tested at all times. And that he's going to come. And tests us every single day. Going to try to knock us off of our walk with the Lord. And he is going to try to remove us from that walk. But more importantly. More importantly. He wants us to throw up our hands. And just give up. He wants us to be dismayed. He wants us to be discouraged. He wants us to find fault in everything that we're doing. And here's the thing too that I've spoken of this before is when you get on a slippery slope of complaint, which it is, it is a slippery slope, which is why I really work hard to rebuke those minions that tried to get me when I come into work and there's things that, trust me in this, I have some, fellow employees, luckily I don't have to work exactly side by side with them, but many times I have to go in behind them and they are so doggone lazy. And this. It's all about going and doing the time, collecting the check and getting off. They don't do what they're asked to do or what we have been instructed to do. And I was getting to a point where I was getting very frustrated. And I would sit there and I would mutter to myself and I'd be complaining about it. And what I found is that Through the course of the day, I found more and more and more to complain about. It wasn't just the fact that I had to do and correct all the things that they had left behind before I got to go and do what I was supposed to do. But the Holy Spirit talked to me and God talked to me and said, do the very best you can and do this unto me. I brought you here. God brought me here for a purpose, a reason. i had not sure what it is. He hasn't revealed that exact thing to me yet. <clears throat> Pardon me. He has not revealed that to me yet. But I do know that the Holy Spirit is guiding my steps and that I want to share the Word of God and be about my Father's business and that once you start to make a complaint, you will slide farther down the hill, farther down the hill, farther down the hill, farther down the hill, And it will become something that you will find other things to gripe about. Trust me in this. I know where from I speak for I have done this very thing. (laughs) And it is, sorry, I borrowed from Julius Caesar. Um, And it is a truthful word. You will find other things to complain about. Then the drivers are going to do this. Then the pedestrians. Then the passengers are going to be. And, and it's just wank, wank, wank. Wine, wine, wine. Cry, cry, cry. And complain, complain, complain. We can do that through our, our walk of regular life. We can find anything and everything to complain about. Seek ye the offense, and ye shall surely find offense. But seek ye first the face of God, his truth and knowledge, and his peace. Will reign in your hearts. Thus saith the word of God. Seek His face all the time, in all manner, and bullet prayers. You can pray it without ceasing. And in Isaiah, it's also said many things that he says, but it's also said that we are not to be afraid and that God is with us always and that he is no reason. And this is in Isaiah 41.10, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help Thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Wow. It's Re- Deuteronomy, Joshua, Isaiah. Why is God repeating? Why is God saying it again? And then we're going to, I'm going to share with you out of 40 And verse 28, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. Why does Isaiah say that? Because we cannot fathom to understand how he is why he is, what he what he does, and, and what he had done. We can't understand it in our finite minds, so stop trying to understand God and figure it out. There are many that do that, and even those that claim their theological degrees give them authority to do so. No, it doesn't. All that piece of paper signed by some guy or some woman is saying that you studied at this particular school that they happen to be sitting on their little stuffed overchair in their office and they sign documents. It just said that you studied there. That's all that document said. It doesn't give you authority for anything and you will hold an honorific that is a doctorate degree because you studied long enough to do so. It doesn't mean you're a doctor. It doesn't mean that you have a higher intellect than anyone else and that you can tell everyone else that the Bible is this or that. And it doesn't tell you that you have the authority to say that the Bible needs to be rewritten. All it does is tell you and tell others that you studied for a certain period of time and you obtained that doctoral degree. Remember this, that the honorific that is bestowed is earned and not commanded, or demanded rather. I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. It is commanded and not demanded. And there are those that get that little piece of paper with a little squirrely signature on it, you can't even read, that demand to be called that. You command that authority you don't demand that authority jesus christ commanded that authority he didn't have to have somebody come in ba, 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 ba. demons in the tombs that have possessed this man this is jesus the son of god and he's coming with authority ba, 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 ba. didn't need that his authority came and preceded him he walked up and the demons immediately knew who he was He commanded the authority and it preceded him. The only ones that were not aware were the arrogant mammon that chose to see something else. They chose to see the son of the carpenter, the brother of James and his sister, and the son of Mary of Nazareth, a carpenter's son, They chose to not see the only begotten son of God and they challenged his authority. The demons were compelled to exercise that recognition because he is a sovereign Lord Jesus Christ. Mammon have been given a free will choice. You can choose to follow, believe, or you can choose to go along with a white noise and believe that. You have to understand, brothers and sisters, that choices are given and choices are made. We have to understand that the Lord God Almighty is sovereign and that he gave us free will choice over things and that choice. Remember this, I've shared with you before, the tonation of the skin He decided, but the character of our heart that we decide. And there are things, brothers and sisters, that are going on in this world that are offensive, extremely offensive, but we don't look to that. (coughs) Now, you're going to say, well, now, I'm going to share with you now from the reading that I am studying this morning. And yeah, it's going to be redundant. But the revelation from the Holy Spirit is that this is something important that we need to be listening to, aware of, and be cognizant of all the time, especially as the days darken. And what the Holy Spirit is telling me is that things are not going to get any better. And I'm going to share this with you now. I know this is going to sound like a political platform, but um, I believe that the Lord is going to let me share this because it's truth and that the politicians are doing some terrible, 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 terrible things. When you walk into a store and you see shelves are empty, 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 and they're driving people into the poorhouse, actually just literally driving people into the poorhouse, and then at the same time, they're they're talking out of two sides of the mouth at the same time. That's an old adage, by the way, that pertains to politicians. That's they're they do that. You have career politicians who are just becoming wealthier and wealthier and wealthier, and they're drawing that from taxpayers' money. Programs are closing because they don't have any money. You have accounts that are supposed to be protected by the Congress of the United States, and they're stealing from that. And then people that are going to rely on that when they get to the age of retirement or get ready to, to not work anymore, that they're supposed to be able to draw on that. But it's broke because it's been borrowed against. So when it was made and established, it was not supposed to be. And the Congress of this country is supposed to protect it. However, they're not. And I'm going to share with you a figure, and then I'm going to get... Right straight back into the word and I I touch on these political things because there's a scripture that I want to remind you of. So 3.28 trillion dollars, T-R-I-L-L-I-O-N, trillion dollars is missing from social security, an account that is supposed to be protected and only for those individuals that have worked all the days they can and then they get ready to stop. And when you have an individual that asks that uh, one of these egregious activities that they're going to portray against another member of this country's elect that asks how they're going to fund that and be told, oh, we'll just borrow from Social Security again. Uh, Excuse me, borrow from Social Security again. You weren't supposed to borrow from it from the first time. So then, of course, this begs to reason. Then how come there's so many multimillionaires that are sitting in chairs of Congress? and actually you can look at it and see this pie graph, there are many. 25% of the members of Congress are multimillionaires. It's pretty egregious when that happens, but yet there's so many people that are homeless, without shelter, they don't even have homes, and they're tearing down buildings to, to build more apartments, but yet there's no shelter available for these folks, and the shelters that are here and around They close up at a certain hour because they get full. And then you have people that are left stranded and sleeping in the street. Even during this cold time, they were finding places to curl up in corners of the building to stay warm. That's pretty pathetic and pretty bad. And you'll say, well, what's that got to do with the stores and all that that's going on out there? Well, it has everything to do with it because when you have the politicians that are not allowing the transports of the food and the clothing and things to go to the stores like they're supposed to, and they're not because you have individuals that have noticed that trucks are not allowed to go into the port of Los Angeles or Long Beach in the state of California and into the port of New York. They're not allowing them in anymore or the ones that used to go in there and transport all this to get to the stores and the markets. And then you have the shipping containers and the ships that carry those that are sitting out in the channels. are not being allowed to come in and dock and offload. We're talking about produce. We're talking about clothing. We're talking about a lot of things. Tires for cars, parts for cars. How's that being done? That some Joe Blow just rides a boat out there and says, no, you can't go in. So then everybody gets in traffic jam behind them like a like on the freeway. Well, it doesn't happen that way. You have politicians that have decided to do this. Why are they doing that? Who knows? But the sovereign Lord God is aware of what goes on, and here's what the Bible tells us about them. That we must pray for them, and that we pray for them because God tells us to do that. I exhort, therefore, this is in First Timothy 2.1. I shared this with you the other day. Prayer supplication, intercession, and giving of thanks to God because he is with us in all things. He w- we will endure. God is with us. He will not lead nor forsake us. And that we thank and that we, we intercede and be intercessions be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority. Now, biblical speech, kings can be interspersed with presidents. Not all countries have kings, but they have presidents and they have governors and mayors and all that. So when it talks about kings and princes and those in the Bible, they're talking about presidents Kings, princes, governors, regents, and mayors. That's Bible speak. That means it covers everything. But we need to pray for them so that we can lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. This is wherein I have the problem is that you have those that are not doing this. But what we need to remember, brothers and sisters, is not to be focusing on all those things because they're terrible. It is very terrible and it hurts my heart deeply that these things are being done. But we can't control those individuals, although they are employees of the people and they have forgotten that. They've thrown their oath out just like you have doctors that have thrown their Hippocratic oath right out the window and they care no more for caring for people than the wind blows. What they care about is lining their pocket, taking as much as they can get, as fast as they can, and as often as they can. And remember what the Bible talks about that. That is temporal. And where your heart is, is your heart with your treasure and your temporal earnings and all that? Or is it with God? Following, doing the right thing, taking care of the people that you have sworn an oath to do so. You have doctors that have done that and you have politicians. They take an oath of office. They're supposed to serve and protect. They take an oath that is similar to law enforcement and they have decided to throw that right out the window and toss that out with the bathwater just like the doctors that have thrown their Hippocratic oath right out the window and they're going for money, 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 memen, memen, memen. That's sad, but we need to pray for them because they can repent. The Holy Spirit could grab their heart and give it a squeeze and they could go, whoa, I'm wrong, I need to correct this, and then they can repent. It might not hold their position anymore, but they can repent. It's possible to do. So we need to pray for them all the time, brothers and sisters and anyone else that's listening. We need to stay in prayer seek his face more and more. And that if you're just accepting Jesus Christ and you're just starting to develop your faith, that the more you do this, the the closer your walk with the Lord is (coughs) and the more intimate you become. But at the same time, I'm going to flip the coin over and I'm going to issue this warning. And this is truth. But don't be afraid, nor dismayed, nor discouraged, because the Lord God, thy sovereign God, loves us, and he is going to be with us. He has declared that he will be with us wherever we go and that we don't need to be afraid. He is our refuge. He is our strong tower. He is our pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And the Holy Spirit will guide our steps for they that love the Lord. I love God because he is my good, good father and because he is love. And I can only love him back because he first loved me, as it is with anyone else. And the Bible declares that. And we, if you look around you in the world, brothers and sisters, you can see that love and and intimacy and closeness and, and treating your neighbor right, that's not the first thing that people want to do. Because when the neighbor's dog poops in your yard, the first thing you want to do is you want to be all mad, scream and holler, and you pick it up and you throw it on their porch. Seen it done frustrates me and I see that out here in my own, but what I do when I'm taking my doggos out and I always carry bags with me, I go out and I pick their stuff up that's in our yard. Doesn't matter. And I know where it comes from, but I'm not saying anything to them because I just pick it up. And sometimes I might mention it in a conversation and say, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize, da-da-da-da-da. And that's okay. But here's the thing. None of this stuff that goes on, the enemy is going to come at us, And the closer our intimate walk with God is, the more and harder he's going to try to knock you off that walk. Why? Because he doesn't want you to be close and intimate with God. He wants you to be discouraged. He wants you to throw your hands up. He wants you to be a member of the apostasy and walk away. Apostasy is as something that has been revealed by prophets and they're seeing things that are coming, and it's been declared in the Bible that there will be a great falling away or walking away. The apostasy is those that have declared themselves to be Christian, and probably 98% of them were just taking that by title. They didn't read the Bible. They didn't see God's face. They didn't pray. they They went to church once a week, once a month maybe, and then they just walk away. And then you have a few that have have become so weakened and they have listened to that white noise interference of the enemy that they just throw their hands up and become discouraged. We cannot allow that to be in our lives. And it's declared that our walk, Lord, it's not an easy road but when you focus on God, you focus on his love and you focus on and how devoted he is to us and you can see that daily. He provides everything that I need. I look around, and don't have anything that I have, that I had before. I got a lot of some of the things that I brought with me. But God provides everything that I need. And I have to be able to discern the difference between wants and needs. God knows and he provides what I need. And we have to remember this is, and, and I share this with you when, when God allows me into his treasury. The treasury being the Bible, the word of God is his treasure house. It is unfathomable. You might go in and you might understand this and you have theologians declare that they've got it all figured out. Well, no, they don't. They just have what they want to think they have figured out in their finite minds and that because they have a theological degree that they've got God figured out. Ha! Lean not unto your own understanding. And the Bible repeats that. Why is God repetitive? Because it's important that we know this. Lean not into our own understanding because that leads to Phariseism, which is arrogance and self-centeredness and puts ourself above everyone and everything else. Just like the Good Samaritan, that parable, was Jesus Christ declaring that to us. Declaring that to us that we have to rise above that. Are any of you familiar with metallurgy, possibly? So, when you are casting gold or preparing to cast gold, what do you have to do? You've got to melt it. You seriously torch it and you melt it. And that good metal has to be skimmed out and separated from... Slag, And it's said that gold is tried in fire. And it is. And this is how the good gold comes. So we have to remember that our faith is strengthened by tests. And that we might feel like we're getting bumped and bashed around. But remembering that we are in the presence of the Lord God and he will not leave nor forsake us and at the same time that we feel as though we are being bumped and bashed, that he's polishing, he's strengthening our faith. And there are many people whose faith just, they give it up. And then they just, oh, I can't do this anymore. I, I don't know what to do. I'm so, <sighs> the devil has robbed me of my joy. He's stolen this, he's stolen it. No, he hasn't. You gave it up. Okay, here's the thing. Let's go into the book of Luke right here in Luke 10. Jesus Christ declares this and he tells us that. And you have to remember something too. When you look in the Bible and Jesus Christ is talking to disciples and I fall short of this many times and I have to remember that he did this and I have to declare that. You must claim this authority. And he reminds the disciples that he sent out to share the word and let's start at verse 17 and the 70 returned again with joy and saying lord even the devils are subject unto us through thy name and he said unto them i beheld satan as lightning fall from heaven behold I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. And notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject to you but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. So the rejoicing is in the fact that you're out there whooping up on, on uh, Satan's minions because he's going to keep sending them. Oh, trust me, he will keep sending them. But that Jesus Christ gave us that authority and that because of that authority, we are able to survive them. We are even able to up, stand up against the devil. They can't rob you of anything. They can carry it away. Well. Wow. I'm trying to figure out the, the legal of uh, legal speech and all this because there's terms for uh, breaking, entering, theft, and robbing. But you can consider that robbing. But here's the thing, too, that you have to remember. If you're walking in the Spirit and you are a follower of Jesus Christ and then you have faith in God, that they don't just come in and take it away from you. That's not possible for them to do. If you choose to be weakened and you choose not to stand on the promises of God and hold on to those promises of God with both hands and hold on tight and declare the authority that you have been given as a disciple of Jesus Christ, a follower of Christ, and you don't declare that authority, then guess what's going to happen? They're going to put their hands on that. They're going to kind of look at you with a little trepidation, see what you're going to do, and then when you open your hands, they're just going to snatch it, take it, and run away with it. Yeah, they just... They just took your joy and your contentment and your peace and all that and then you become discouraged and you become all agitated and rattled. Why? Because you allowed it to happen. Ooh, does that sound like scolding? Well, it may very well be then you need to listen and be aware of what's being said. You have to tread through this life and the Bible all the way from the beginning to the end talks about it's not an easy walk. It's declared by many good teachers that read and teach from the Bible that it's not an easy walk. And I'm telling you, and I promise this to you, it's truth that it's not an easy walk. And the closer my walk gets, and the more that God allows me to get into his treasury and to share the word of his treasure house, Satan comes at me. And sometimes he comes at me subtly, and sometimes he comes at me overtly, and sometimes in ways that, you know, I'll just, I'm not even sure, and then the next thing I know is that I've slipped off the path, but I repent, I repent, and repent, and you say, well, how many times are you going to have to repent? As many times as it takes. You can repent a hundred times a day, every single day, now until Jesus Christ comes and returns, and it may not be enough as many times as it takes, as often as you fall, get up and return to the Lord, repent, if it is something that was not righteously done. He's not going to fault you for that. But if you don't come back and you keep on walking and you fall prey to that white noise that Satan decides to throw at you every single day to keep you separated from God's face and his peace, and his love is because he got you to throw up your hands and turn your back and walk away. Hardships are a part of our journey, but God is with us always. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Remember, those are not synonymous. I've shared the, those with you in a pictorial definition if you go to a party or you go to a function with someone and then you look and they're, you can't find them. They went across the room. They walked away from you. They left you. But if you get into a melee and there are those that are coming at you with clubs and knives and throwing stones and rocks and all this stuff and, and uh, this person went with you and then you look around because you thought they were going to back you, your play. They were going to be with you and they were going to share in this assault and, and you were going to protect each other and you had your back. And then you look around and they're gone. That's forsaking. God will not walk us into a hardship and then turn and leave us there alone. God will sometimes allow these things to occur that we're already walking toward and by and may allow them to, what's the word, kind of like a, um, almost like a whirlpool. We'll be walking close by, and then we get sucked into that current. And But God's not allowing us to go in and fall down and go in blinded. Um, there may be a purpose for him to strengthen or guide our walk, and it may include that. We have to remember that. Sometimes I forget that. And that's what the devil wants you to do. He wants you to forget that God is with us. God is with me. And he wants us to forget that. And then he wants us to be all agitated. And then we can start throwing blame at others. We can throw blame at God. Because that's what the nature of mammon is, is to put the onus on others and a blame on others. But the thing of it is that we can't backstep away from these things that are taking place in our life and, and just say, oh, that's a problem I want to run away from. That's like you got this rain, thunder, and hail's coming down ahead and, and you're, you know, you got hundreds of miles to the east, hundreds of miles to the west, and hundreds of miles back that you just traveled from the south and you're heading into the storm and, and it's a forward progression. But because of all this, turmoil You don't want to go through it. You just stop and you park and then you sit there and sit there. And the storm is going to last for days according to the weather report. So instead of just continually moving forward where you get through it and you get past it, it's the same thing when you're walking with God. Hold his hand, walk through. Don't hunker down and start whining and crying about how terrible the storm is. God is with us. And all these things and walking and continue to hold his righteous right hand, his strength. <clears throat> and you walk. And the next thing you know, all of a sudden you hear the bluebirds of happiness, the twittering, and you look around and there's flowers growing on the field. And all of a sudden, wait a minute, well, was that a butterfly that just went flew by? And you look over and there's a hole heard them or whatever you call them, a whole flight of butterflies that are just twirling around through the sky, and then you turn around, you look over your shoulder, and oh my goodness, that storm is way back there, and it's the size of a hand. Oh, where was that in the Bible? Well, remember up on Mount Carmel when the prophet told his protege to look out when they were calling for rain? And he looked out over the over the plain and out over the sea. He could see a cloud that was the size of a man's hand. The next thing they you know is that that is there upon them. So we have to remember that we seek his face all the time. In all things. In all places. And we can pray without ceasing. We don't have to pray out loud. You don't have to throw yourself down prostrate. prostrate on the floor to uh, pray and you don't have to kneel down to pray. Prayer postures are sometimes necessary and should be. But you can pray as you're working through the day. You don't even have to close your eyes. You don't even have to speak verbally. You can do so in your heart and in your mind. Remember that God can see and hear these things and he knows when you are. And as it says in Psalm 27, remember, I I shared that with you. When God said, seek my face, and my heart responded, your face I will seek. Seeking doesn't mean just glancing. It means that you're looking. You are searching for his face in things. Don't look for offense. I share this with you, and I repeat it, and I say, why? Because it's important. Seek his face. If you seek offense, ye shall surely find offense because it is all around. You don't have to be offended, but there are individuals that choose to be offended. And just like it says in the word and reminds us that God has decided the tonation and we choose to decide the character of the heart. We can either choose to be offended or we can choose to love our neighbor as ourselves and love others above ourselves, as the word tells us that we are supposed to do. And that we, I still have a little trouble understanding this. I think I get this part, but there's a passage in 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 8 that talks about us keeping his treasure in clay jars. And I'm thinking that that's to... Ah, thank you, Father. So the Holy Spirit speaking and explaining that this is um, so as to not to draw the attention and that the praise word, praise then goes to that <coughs> instead of where it belongs, and that we and that we become braggarts. So in second Corinthians two, I'm sorry, Second Corinthians four, seven through eight, it talks about these things. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure earth in earthen vessels that the excellency, the power may be of God <clears throat> and not of us. Okay, so actually very clear there in reading it and, and for whatever reason, sometimes we will do this is we'll read through a scripture and we read rather quickly, and we will miss this thing here. But he continues that we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. So we have to remember that, that it's in an earthen jar so that uh, some people have these ornate treasures and all these things. Ah, thank you. Holy Spirit just spoke again. So that you don't become ritualistic, and there's some. Tr- and this is why Jesus spoke of of detesting religion, and and also you might find this hard to believe, and you might not, but that's okay because it's truth anyway. That Jesus Christ actually detested religion. Why is that? Because religions tend to focus on those things like the ornate little boxes and the things like what they're talking about here instead of the earthen vessels, they want the ornamentation. And this little box, when they open it up, they keep God in it. And God is brought out only in ritualistic situations and not at all times. They're not seeking his face all the time. When there's some kind of special occasion In and around the temple, the church, the synagogue, whatever you want to call it, they open up the box and they bring God out, and then they start declaring his name and yada, yada, yada. Well, rather than doing that all the time, it's only on special occasions. So Jesus Christ hated, detested religion for that reason. And you have to also remember, denomination, sects, orders, and uh, remember uh, that word is sects, not sex. So S-E-C-T-S. So when you have those divided, those are all man-made. Those are not God-made. God did not make Baptists. He did not make Catholics. He did not make Protestants. He did not make Methodists and Eastern Methodists, Western Methodists, Northern Baptists, Southern Baptists, and all these things. And when you go around, you can go through a city and you go down a certain boulevard and you're going to go by four or five different churches and they are all different denominations. They're within blocks of each other. They're all different denominations. And you will see that there are people that will only go into the church. They come down and there's cars parked all over the place and you'll see throngs of people. Rather than going into a house of worship to worship God, you see them separate at the crosswalk and you have one herd going one direction into a building and you have another herd that's going another direction into another building. That is all mammon. That's not God. That's mammon. Don't be perplexed and because we're hard-pressed on all the sides over here, but our treasure is with us, and that treasure is God. Not those things to be offended. Seek his face in all things. And remember this, too, that here the prophet Isaiah, who has been told to tell people many things, but in Isaiah twelve two. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation. Therefore, with joy, shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. Interesting here. Book of Isaiah, 12th chapter. Talk about relevance. And you have these perverts that want to rewrite the Bible because it's not relevant to certain things. What does that sound like right there? In Isaiah chapter 12, this is one of the prophets. This is about, uh, I think, 700 years before the coming of Jesus Christ. Kind of sounds like what he was talking to the woman at the well, in Samar- the Samaritan woman, when Jesus Christ was sitting there and asked her to draw water for him. And then she talked and questioned him, and he said, I have water, I have living water. He who draws from my well shall never thirst. Interesting. It's the well of salvation is what Jesus was getting her to understand. And here you have 700 years before Jesus Christ was even born, you have the prophet Isaiah talking about the same thing. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. And he also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. Jesus Christ was talking to the woman about salvation and that he can provide living water for they that come to him. And David talks about the trees. I'm going to touch on that briefly. But talks about the trees, be like a palm. And I've shared that with you, that the palm is, it was created and grows, it's, it's an amazing tree. But the taproot of the palm goes so deep because they oftentimes will grow someplace where it's hard to reach the water. But also if you've ever witnessed anything that unless it's a, a crazy, wild, powerful storm, the palm won't break. It bends and it could bend all the way to the ground, but eventually it will spring back up and grow tall. Again, brothers and sisters, be like a tree that's planted by the water. And that water is well of salvation. That water is the living water that is provided by Lord God, Abba Yahweh, Yeshua, Jesus Christ, who came and died for me and anyone else who will accept and believe. And our steps are guided by parakritus. The Holy Spirit walks with us, guides us and teaches us. Brothers and sisters, you have a great day. You are in my prayers, my going out, my coming in, as I remind you and share with you always.